0: We're talking about things that Jesus had something to say, uh, things that Jesus had something uh, to say about topics, things that the Lord spoke. So many times, you know, I've preached from the epistles, I've preached from different portions of the Old Testament, and, uh, you know, and, but sometimes you just like to hone in on what Jesus said. Not that those are less inspired, they are the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, but it's always great to hear what Jesus speaks, right? And so, uh, in John chapter 16, and um We're going to pray this morning that God will just open our hearts to hear Him, uh, to receive what He has, and Lord, to know that God cares for us. Young man, it's good to have you with us today, right here, this gentleman. And uh, so, we welcome you. John 16, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So what does Jesus, what did he have to say about trouble? And how many um, know that, uh, and, I, and I just felt very strongly to say this to you. Um, some, some of us are worried about the future that we cannot see. And uh, the things that we we just can't we that that are just out beyond our view, and uh, I want to tell you today that the Lord says He is already there. Okay, so you know that's something to keep in mind. The Lord is already there. He's already in the in your future. He doesn't have to catch up to it. He's already there. So, you know, the next time we ponder the unknown and and the things that may happen or could happen or the things that we've been told will happen, uh, we pr- we have to believe that the Lord is already there. He's not going to have to run to catch up to the situation. He'll be there to meet you when you arrive. And so whatever that is... Whatever that presents, the Lord wants all of us to know that He is already there, and He'll be there to meet you when you get there. And so today I want to just uh, begin to talk about trouble. Some of that trouble just happens. You know, things in life happen to everybody. You know, um, you can think back through your life, just some things that have happened that, uh, you know, I believe that God has a plan, and I I know God has a purpose in everything that happens. But sometimes things happen to saint and sinner alike. You know, the hospitals are full of people who are people of professing faith and people who have no faith at all. Or people who have a very nominal faith. You know, so you have the mix of people and yet God is uh, faithful to all. And, um, you know, a little little um, quotation here, the strongest oak of the forest is not the one that is protected from the storm and hidden from the sun, it's the one that stands out in the open where it is compelled to struggle for its existence against the winds and rains and the scorching sun. And... Um, David Jeremiah, he had cited five reasons for uh, suffer uh, for adversity or problems that God um, u- uses adversity to accomplish. You know, number one, uh, problems bring great opportunities. You know, sometimes we don't see any value in adversity, and there is value to be mined in adversities. There are things that um That are present there to be mined, and one of the most significant for me is one that I remember over uh, miles twenty twenty two years ago uh you know when when I uh, was in a hospital for several weeks in the rehab and uh there was a uh, gentleman in that in the in the uh he had placed me in a um in a nursing home for a uh, for a few weeks until I could be kind of go through some rehab and such. And uh, one of the gentlemen that was there uh, had um, inoperable brain cancer, and he was my roommate. And uh, that gentleman was introduced to Jesus, and he accepted Christ as his Savior. And so, for me, if there was any purpose in it at all, uh, you know, the Lord knew that one day that I would land in a room. And really, it was quite amazing, because I had been placed in three different rooms, in the short time, I, when I first got there, the first, first room I was in, this man had all the lights out. He didn't want the television on at all. Uh, I was in excruciating pain. And uh, this man was giving me a nervous breakdown because I was afraid to breathe. And uh, so I, you know, I consulted with my boss, Robin, and uh, I said, Can you go t- ask them if they can get me out of this room? Because I, I can't live like this. You know, you know, so anyhow, she went and came back and they said, yeah, we can put you in another room. So they moved me down the hall and, um, you know, that situation was the person really uh, was um, incoherent or at least, you know, it's appeared to be that way. And so, um, you know, it was just quiet and it was peaceable. And uh, so I got rested there, started to rest a little bit, and they said we made a mistake. You can't stay in this room, and I said, because it's one room down too many, and the insurance won't cover this part of the building. And I thought that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard since the last stupid thing I've heard. And uh, and so they they moved me again to the room with this gentleman who had brain cancer and uh, then i look back today and i realize why god allowed that to happen i'm not sure why sometimes we can't just go from you know just skip a you know a and b and get to c but god had a purpose and a plan in it and so there's always opportunities in adversity you know, the devil wants you to think that the only there's no redeeming value in any adversity or hardships or troubles that come your way. And I'm sure that if we talked about it today, everyone in this room could talk about something that, the God, that God had revealed to you, shown to you, done in you or through you in a time of adversity that was life-changing. You know, so we need to give God the credit and tell the devil to shut up, Right? You know, it's okay to tell the devil to shut up. Problems bring spiritual maturity. How many of us can look back to situations and see how we've grown as a result of the, the trials and hardships and adversity? Some people think it's all takeaway, all negative, it's, all, it's, it, it's just an attack, and that's the way we look at it all. And, and sometimes it is an attack. But sometimes I believe God allows things to happen for our, you know, for our own growth and development to help us to grow and to mature and to depend upon him and to trust in him and to hold his hand. You know, problems bring spiritual maturity. There's so much insight and revelation that God provides in in times and seasons of adversity if we just will allow that to be entertained in our hearts. Uh, problems produce integrity, or prove integrity. You know, um, Job proved integrity. You know, his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And, uh, you know, and, and Job had his moments, right? You read the book of Job, it would, be not, it would not be very truthful to say that Job didn't have his moments of deep discouragement and even loathing his own life. But, you know, he, he proved to be a man of integrity. He was refined through the fires. You know, the three Hebrew children weren't, uh, the, you know, the, the door to the furnace was not sealed closed to prevent them from throwing them in. In fact, the door was open wide enough to throw them all in. And yet it was God who revealed himself as the fourth man in the fiery furnace, right? How many know there was a fourth person in that furnace? And it's always good to consider that because wherever we are, God is. So if you're here today and you're going through a terrible season and time in your life, I want you to please take comfort in the fact that God is right there with you. You you, you say, I don't feel him. I want to say again, a lot of times we let our feelings dictate how how much we'll operate in faith. But your faith has to guide you, not not your fear. You know, fear cannot be the driver, or he, he will drive, It will drive you off a cliff. Faith has to be the driver, and there's always a there's always a contest there where fear tries to usurp the authority of your faith. And your faith is founded in the Word of God. Fear is is the is an expression of 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 hell. It's not, not, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, right? That's what the Scripture says. He doesn't give us that spirit of anxiety and fear. That doesn't come from God. What God gives us is peace. The Lord Himself is our peace. Problems produce dependency. You know, uh, dependency on God. Some people place their... Uh, uh, it's not good to cultivate someone else's dependency upon yourself. You know, you say, well, what do you mean by that? Can't they depend? Oh, sure, they should be able to count and depend on you when needed, but you don't want someone to focus exclusively on you because you will never, and I want you to say here every word of it you will never be everyone's everything all the time. Not possible. When you try to be those things, then that means you are trying to be a God. You cannot be God. You cannot be everything, everyone's everything all the time. And you live under great bondage and great distress when we can't keep up with all of the things that are going on. You know, we, we work as a team, number one, right? We are a corporate team. God help us to be well-oiled machine that works well together with a good plan, and, and and a purpose. But in life, we just can't be everything. That doesn't mean we don't avail ourselves wherever it's within our our our, our, our you know the realm of possibility that we can do something to help someone. But you and I can never be everyone's everything all the time. Problems pre- prepare our hearts for ministry. You know um one of the things that has helped me over the years, and I believe Robin as well uh is just the the personal challenges that um that have uh, made us more sensitive to what others experience help us to feel the pains that others are feeling a little more personally. There's a certain empathy and compassion that arises, and that's a critical component of any ministry. Because if you're in ministry and you don't have empathy and sympathy for others, then you're never going to be effective. Because, you know, we that's very important. So anyhow, I'm just going to move down here a little bit as we consider some things. The hour of persecution is coming. That's what Jesus told his followers. He knew his time was nearing uh, the climax of when he would die upon the cross. And he tells them the hour is coming and yes, has now come. And there are times when troubles converge. They come, they just close in. You ever look off into the horizon and you just see a few gray clouds, but as they, get, as they grow closer, you see they become more ominous. So the sky darkens above us and we realize that the storm is upon us. What once seemed to be far away is now directly overhead, and you know in life there are those times where we just see a little glimpse of something in the horizon, but give it no thought, and then at some point that as that advances toward us, we realize that we are in a storm. And so maybe you're in a storm today, and at one you never imagined that it would be the way it is. And if this is speaking to you today, it's because God is speaking to you. That sometimes the, there are things that develop in our lives that we could have never comprehended that, uh, w- that such would take place. Sometimes those few gray clouds on the horizon, when they draw near, they become so dark and so ominous. And then we see that the storm clouds thicken and the sky begins to rumble. Sometimes we don't see the trouble coming. Sometimes there's things that just happen in life that we don't anticipate. You know, and i shared this too. Uh, Fifteen years old, I uh, went to a fair, and I was at a fair there uh, just something they did every year. And uh, they dropped ping pong balls out of a helicopter above the crowd, and the, and the helicopter fell into the crowd. And uh, I had eight eight, eight uh, well several of them were friends that were killed that day uh, right in front of me I mean it was it just fell in a crowd of a few hundred people and and uh, and I had just seen one friend walk past me and we we talked a little bit and and she moved on and within a few moments she was dead and uh you know, I think about that today and it serves to keep me. Uh, uh, just sensitive to the fact that you know we shouldn 't assume anything in life we don 't live life based on assumptions because we really don 't know what the next moment has. We plan and we pray for the will of God to 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 be recognized. But we value every moment for what it is. It's an opportunity. This moment is the, uh, is the only guaranteed opportunity I have. Where I am right this second and even the next breath beyond it is, is uh, really dependent upon God. You know, depth is critical you know, we we have to have deep roots. If we don't have deep roots in our faith, then, you know, when the storms come, we're not going to, we're going to, you know, we had a pine tree in our yard and it rained so hard, a couple trees actually, you know, they just uprooted and they fell over in the yard. Big, big thing. And Robin went out and drug it to the back to the woods. But but anyhow, we had, um, it's because the roots weren't, weren't very extensive they didn't run very deep you know that storm's going to come your way it's going to come my way and you better we got to have a deep root system a healthy root system because number one it anchors you into the ground and then it, it expands out to receive the water and the nutrients that we need to grow and how do those roots form well they form through being discipled in christ being, uh, being a student of the Word of God, being a person of prayer, you know, putting into practice the principles of God's Word deliberately every day help to strengthen the foundation. So when you think about this today, uh, the how, you ask yourself, how is my root system? Because trouble is going to come your, your way, and many of you know it already has, But, you know, you live long enough, you're going to have some things take place, and some of them will be minor blips on the radar, and some will be earth-shaking. But whether they're minor blips on the radar or they're earth-shaking, God is still the same, right? And we just need to grow in relationship with Him because the Bible talks about two things. It talks about the roots and it also talks about the foundation. If you're planting something, you want to you want a plant to be able to develop de- depth. Root, you need depth for the roots to go, right? You don't plant something on top of uh, concrete, but you plant it where the roots can go deep into the earth. You need depth. And you know we need depth in our relationship with God. We need depth of relationship so that those roots go down deep and healthy and strong. And if you put the Word of God in your heart, that's going to be that's really going to help you quite a bit. If you don't put the Word of God in your heart, your roots are going to be very short, and they're not going to extend into the depth of the soil. So that when the storm comes or or the or the uh, let's see the scorching sun comes. You're gonna will wither because we don't. We're not going deep enough to receive the nutrients that we want. The roots seek out the, the moisture. And so I think about that. We need both depth, so we need good soil, and we need it. Tight. We always need to have solid foundation to build upon. So if you're planting something, you want depth. If you're building something, you want a solid foundation. That rock. Because that storm will come, and it has come. How many of you have been in the storms? You know what I'm talking about. You've watched loved ones suffer and die. You've watched people you love go through some very hard places, and it really impacted you personally. You've walked through some deep waters, so you know that your faith is central to how you act and react in life. Matthew 13 20 says, but he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet because he has no root in himself, he endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. You know, there's that image uh, of uh, of something that has been planted, and because it's planted in stony places, the roots never develop. And because of the lack of depth and the lack of the root development, when that when that, when a difficulty comes, the church or the church or the Christian he begins to stumble and wither in the heat of it. And God doesn't want us to wither; He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be that tree planted by the streams of water that bear fruit in its season and its leaves never wither. He wants us to be able to be all-season believers in each and every situation. How many will say, God, give me what I need to be to walk with the same integrity of heart in adversity as I do when times are easier? You see, that's, the, that's what we need really in our lives is because it's easy to uh, to profess certain things in a sterile setting where we're insulated from difficulties and trials. You know, I can stand here. My kids have told me over the years, Hey, Dad, remember what you preached today? You know, it's good to have kids to, to remind you of those things. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's good to be reminded of those things because it's not what you say in church. It's not just what you how you express your faith in the Lord. And all of those things are critically important, but you've got to grow in your own personal relationship with the Lord because you're going to need those roots. You're going to need the nourishment. You're going to need the depth. I'm going to tell you something. Church, the devil's not our greatest threat right now. The lack of depth in many people who profess to be Christians, it is horrifying to see these casual professions of faith that have no depth to them. They're not bearing any fruit, their leaves are half withered on the vine, and not off the vine. And so, you know, we as the church have to be committed. That's why Wednesday nights are a good place to come, a great discipleship evening for you and for your children, for our teenagers, for all that's offered here. It's good to be with other believers in God's house, praying together, receiving instruction together, and and really making an investment in your children. How many of you know that your children are being taught stuff that's absolutely demonic, it's straight from the pit of hell. And the only way they're going to survive that and thrive in it is to have their root systems developed, to have the foundation upon which they build their lives strengthened. And you know who's the, who, who's, um, uh, the very first person uh, who should be responsible for that? It's not me, it's you as the parents. You as the grandparents, you know, we all have a, the closer you are to it, you know, I don't, ex- I never, Robin and I never expected the schools or, 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 or even the church, For understand how I say that, I expected a lot of the church, but I, I realized that the number one, uh, a, a person of response, people of responsibility for the raising of our children and preparation of them for this life was us. We guarded that responsibility jealously. You know, we were concerned about what people spoke into our children's lives. And we made sure that we didn't just tell them that's no good, don't listen. We told them what was good and apply yourself to that. Because the truth is always the best discerning of of falsehood. And if you have truth in your heart, you are going to walk with discernment. People say, I want to have discernment. Well, here's how, you, here's how you demonstrate that you truly desire or even possess discernment. You're a person of the Word of God. You're a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, we can't live this life without the Word, and we can't live it without the Holy Spirit either the ner- the importance of a strong root system nourishment stability the health of the plant goes nowhere without a healthy root system so when trouble comes we have got to have roots we have got to be down deep we've got to be planted where we're not in, in a manner where we're not going to fall over we're not going to be in, you know destroyed the bible says in psalm 1 it says but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his delight he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. If you're planting something, you need depth. If you're building something, you need a solid base to build upon. Depth is important and foundation is important. In Matthew 7, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. The rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. Jesus said trouble's coming, and he told them that the flock was going to be scattered. And um, I believe when persecution comes, it does at times divide and scatter, the unfortunately, the sheep. But it doesn't always have to be unfortunate because when I read in Acts chapter 8, 1 through 4, I see that there came a time of great persecution that arose upon the church, you know. All the church at Jerusalem. And God was doing something through this persecution. Because God wanted his church to be the church that received this promise. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In order for them to be the witnesses of God in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. They had to move beyond Jerusalem. So I remember there was a time when I was a kid, I had a fast, I wasn't a pyromaniac or anything, but I I, I just wanted to make a, a fire behind the house. So I went up in the, not a, like a forest fire, but I tried to make this little little fire, you know, I was like camping out in my own little world. Um, and, uh, you, know, and it, you know, I did, I did something wrong. I, number one, I shouldn't have... Shouldn't have done it. But the second, I didn't do it right. So it started, some leaves started burning beyond my little ring. And uh, I remember just having, just being so horrified at the moment when it took place that uh, I just started stomping all over it, stamping all over it. And, and, uh, you know, one thing I noticed, though, the more I stamped, the embers just went flying. And, you know, When we think about Acts chapter 8 and we see the persecution that came upon the church, I kind of envision the devil trying to stamp out the fires of Pentecost. And all he did was scatter the embers all over the place. And so God used that persecution to begin to fulfill what he prophesied and spoke to the church when he said, you shall become my witnesses, right? You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. So how did they get to Judea, Samaria, and to the other outreaches of the earth? It was whenever this persecution broke out, and they scattered abroad. And it says that everywhere they went, they went preaching the gospel, wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> the church be persecuted and all it did was uh make uh, Christians more radical out sharing the word of God everywhere they went. Sharing the love of Jesus with those who've never known the grace of God. Well, you know, so um, long story short, they did get the fire out and uh and um I you know, I still like to do that, but I don't I do it right now. Uh I think Uh, The church throughout its history has had times that it thrived in adversity and persecution. When trouble comes, it's not unusual for people to scatter. You can find out a lot about people when adversity hits. Those who are faithful will remain core. They'll remain connected because they're invested. There's something deeper uh, than anything that could dislodge them. You see, there's something more powerful. There's a bond there. And so we see Jesus said trouble was coming, uh, that they were all going to forsake him, and yet he said, I'm not alone because the Father will be with me. And, you know, sometimes we miss that point. Sometimes everybody disperses, and maybe they're not gone forever, but they're not there at the moment you think you need someone, and we're, we're dialing the number, we're getting on the phone, we have to talk to someone, can't get through to somebody. And I think sometimes God allows that too. Because we need to recognize Him. We need to call upon Him. Come on, how many know the 911 that we need to be most familiar with is is Jesus? To call upon God in Jesus' name in those times of adversity and hardship. Because sometimes, you know, we we want someone else to soothe our anxiety and our fear to reassure us. And God says, no, you're going to talk to me. Come on, church. Those times of prayer, you say, well, we need people. Yeah, we need people, but we don't need them all the time. You know what I mean? That sounded bad. What I mean by that is, let me dig the hole a little deeper. Is that you know, uh, there's times when we just walk with God, and that's okay. Sometimes we, you know, we do need people. We do need to people to come along and pray with to encourage us, that we can encourage them, that we're better together that way. Yes, but there are times when in your own walk with God, God says, no, I want this intimate time with you. You know, I shared this, uh, I've shared this many times. Years ago, uh, you know, we, we had had a man in the church that had been there for years and before I came long before I came and um over those years he had molested children uh and that became a, a real issue and a and a real problem as it, you can imagine uh for the families that were impacted and affected and such and you know as uh, as angry as it made me I had to I had to be a pastor to people you know to be concerned, to take the right steps, to do the things that are, and to reassure people that we were doing all that we could do. But I couldn't be maniacal and run around ranting and raving. You hear, hear what I'm saying? I couldn't be the Rambo standing behind the pulpit saying, I'm going to elim- I'm gonna eliminate him. That was, uh, that was uh, what's his name, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But uh, I will. But anyhow, that wasn't my role. That's not, that's not my role. My role is to do the right thing for all parties that were affected and to provide for the well being of that church body and to, to seek the recourses that are, that are needed and to be transparent with those investigating this. And, um, but somebody, you know, was so stirred and angry, and I understand, I, under, I do understand the, the, the rage and the anger, but I couldn't be that angry person. I couldn't be that person who raged against the individual publicly in front of people because, you know, uh, it had to be dealt with. And, in fact, he told me in person, uh, he said, you know, after it had happened and I had met with him, he said, listen, he said, the Lord called me to children's ministries. I'm never going to stop. And I said, well, you are going to stop here. You will never serve in any regard with or close to children here again. It's over. And he said, "Well, that's okay. I'll go to another church. Isn't that what everybody does <laughs> when you don't give them the answer they want?" I said, "Well, you can go, but make sure just be rested assured. I'll be in touch with them." But you know, the thing was, somebody. Uh, was so worked up, and they really worked people into a lather even worse than what it was. And somehow, I don't know whether they thought this was complimentary to me or whatever it was, but the the person was going around the church telling people that I said that I was going to hang this person by his privates. I got to tell you, uh, I never never said that. Never said that. Only to you. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I never said that. Because as angry as I I was, and I had a responsibility to lead with confidence and with measured response publicly and among others. So I never commented to anybody about what was happening there. And I never said it. And it made me so angry because then people were wondering, did he really say that? You know, did he really say that? And, you know, uh, I can tell you, I, over, my, over my time in ministry, there's a few times when I had to remove my foot from my mouth. That was not one of them. Nor would I say that to some woman in the church. So, anyhow, I called the presbyter and I said, listen, I'm, I'm really angry about this. And uh, I said, I just want to let you know what's happening. And I need to, I need to, to unfortunately, I feel like I need to address this and uh, and I said, so. uh what, what, what would you recommend that I do? And I gotta tell you, he gave me an answer that made me want to hang the phone up while he was still talking, because he said to me, "Just pray." I gotta tell you, your response might have been mine at that moment. It was just silence, because I thought, well. I want want to set this straight. And he said, no, just pray about it. He says, God's going to take care of this. And you say, sometimes you do have to address it, but I followed his lead and I said nothing. I let it go and I didn't say a word, even though I wanted to. And you know, and I'm not gloating, but I'm going to tell you, God brought light to the situation and things were revealed for what they were. And I never had to say a word. So sometimes things come against us, and the first thing we want to know is how do I react to this? And at least it's good if you think about it, because if you're not thinking about it and you just instinctively fly off the handle or you stinkly, stinkly, st- instinctively go into a rage, you're going to do more damage than you can imagine. And, you know, probably... Um, When you think about how that might impact and affect the church, it would have been just another controversy the church didn't need. And so I never said anything. And you know, that man, uh, that presbyter whom I respect and love quite a bit, his words proved true. When trouble comes your way, watch who you're going to get advice from. Be very selective in who you seek counsel from. Because you don't want people who will play on your emotions and try to use that to steer you into irrational behavior or to move in some way outside what God would have you to do in that critical moment. And so, you know, I think about what a friend is. And a friend is what the Scriptures describe in Proverbs 17, 17. It says that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And, you know, there are those in life. Be a good friend. Be a good friend to somebody. Don't run away when it gets hard. You know, it's easy to talk a big game, and then whenever the, whenever the things break out, uh, then they're looking. You know, remember Jesus, was, they fled. They all left him. Peter made this great, grand pronouncement of his faithfulness and loyalty to the Lord, no matter what. And in the end, I will say he did follow at a distance to see what the outcome would be. But in the the whole process, we know that he denied the Lord. And thank God for his grace Because God restored Peter. He knew his heart wasn't the man who denied him. He knew that this was something that was a a momentary reflex of one's instinct rather than walking where he should have been. But choose those whom you share things with. You know, I hear people say, well, we're supposed to confess our faults one to another. I'm going to tell you, I am not confessing my faults to a Well, I would say I'm confessing my faults to about 0.1 of the people I know. 0.1, not not 1, 0.01. Because, you know, you have to use discretion when you're going through a a hard time, when you're walking through difficulties. I want to know that God is connecting me with people that will speak wisdom into the situation and not pouring gasoline on a fire. Be the kind of friend that can be a counselor to someone and you can stay centered and true to the scriptures without instigating a fire. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Abandonment of Christ by his followers uh, and yet he was secure knowing that the father was with him. He said, you'll leave me alone. Mark 14, 15 says they all forsook him and fled. Second Timothy Paul's situation, he says, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against him, but the Lord was, stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me. Somewhere, the devil seeks to convince us that when we're walking through adversities and challenges, that we by no means can serve God's purpose at, a high, at the highest level. And that's not true. We can serve God at the level that God has called us to serve Him because He will be with us and He's not stricken by our circumstances. He's not rendered weak and afflicted. And, you know, as you and I sit here today and we think about that, and, you know, I want to say this. I I trust every—I do. I don't look out here and see anybody that I distrust. I would share a lot of things, but there's those things that I know that sometimes my gravity will pull me toward people that will tell me what I want to hear. And that's not always the most helpful place to go. Come on, church. And so sometimes you have to find those who will just simply tell you as a friend in truth the things that will help you to navigate hard times. It says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me. See, he wasn't, what others did did not, did not reduce what God was going to do through Paul. And what others do or whatever happens in our lives, it need not reduce the impact of the life that God has called us to live. He says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. I like this. He says, Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory and honor forever. How many will will pray that today? Will Will you mind saying that out loud with me? Because it's always good to say some to speak words that you don't have to worry about them being proven false later. It says, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. And preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand with me? Jesus prepares his sheep. He's preparing us. You know, we're, we're going to, I believe, incur some of the greatest adversities we've ever seen. But you know something? I hope that we are prepared and trained in God's Word and walking closely with Him so that when it does happen, that we will be a light to those who aren't navigating it well. That by the grace of God, we are able to be strong. Jesus said to His disciples, and you shall be hated by all for My name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Psalm 3419, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Word of God is relevant and current. The Word of God rewrites our past. It authors a beautiful future. We must remember that even with our natural consequences, the natural consequences of our actions that accompany the deeds of the past. Forgiveness erases the record before God. Penalties in the natural may need to be paid, but in God's eyes, you are clean and made a child of God. Nothing on the record. The Lord seeks to prepare us for death people say that uh, I will make a deathbed confession of faith just so I can be sure to get in. I want to tell you there are many people who have planned to do that and never did. If one is planning to take a vacation of a lifetime he or she plans well and well ahead studies up on things why should we spend more time planning our vacation than for our eternal destination? Hear Jesus speak. He says, I have spoken to you. I'm going to ask just this week, we just cite just a couple things here. I'm going to ask if there are those here t- today are saying that, you know, hell has unleashed itself in my life, and my circumstances are beyond anything that I ever thought I would face. I come here to get today in church and I, I, I certainly had expectations that, uh, some, that I would come and be with other people, there would be singing and there would be preaching, but uh, honestly, I need something well, well beyond anything that I've set my focus on, and that is I need God. I need God. I'm up against things that I can't really emotionally handle right now. I've got unknown things. There's financial concerns that maybe you have today that are just weighing on you to the point where it is grieving your spirit and it's causing you to become ill. There can be a lot of things that are closing in today. And God wants you to have the knowledge that he is with you today and he is going to be in the future. How many of you today would just say, "I'll take a few steps because I, I believe maybe I just need to, to do that so that I can physically put into practice what I'm trying to align myself with, according to God's word." But today, I I, I need to I need the assurances, the reassurances. I need to to know that God has not forsaken me. He has not forgotten about me, and I'm telling you this. This little altar call is really an extension of such. If you've been praying that God can make known to you that your situation is in His hand, I'm telling you this today because He wants you to know that. You are not going to be destroyed, you're not going to be devoured. And God wants to send you away with something fresh and new and powerful an insight, an encouragement, a reassurance that uh, He's never, ever going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. I'm going to invite you to come. You know, so we've got to break through our fear of what others might think. They don't, you know, uh, I just want to invite you. I want to pray with you, and I'm going to ask... the If the others, uh, the leaders here would be willing to just step up, we're going to pray for you. Uh, If you want to stand on behalf of someone, that's great too. You can come and and, and stand uh, as an act of intercession on behalf of someone who's going through some very troubled waters, very hard place. God's saying, Jesus is your peace today. Jesus said that in me, you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. I want to invite you, please. This is a time, you know, there, 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 this is a time where we step forward and we say, you know, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I, I'm i going to cast off anything that would just uh, limit my total immersion in, in God's solution, in God's deliverance. And I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to walk around pitying myself. I want Jesus to be my peace today. When trouble comes, and it will come, and maybe it's here for you today, the Bible says, for I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. For I Romans 8, he says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. God doesn't want you to worry. God doesn't want you to worry today. He doesn't want you to be consumed by anxiety. If you have an anxiety, you're having having issues of panic and stress and anxiety that are just robbing and ruling over your your mindset and your focus. I just want to invite you to come. This isn't to acknowledge personal shame. This is to, to just come forward and say, I'm not taking any more of the devil's garbage. I want God to do in me what only God can do. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.